And welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program that addresses challenges faced regionally, the need for and consequences of change, and how today's choices impact tomorrow's community. This program is an extension and production of Action for Healthy Communities, and it's provided in collaboration with KCBX. Chris Kington Barker is your host for today's show as she speaks with guest Bryn Albanese, concert violinist, certified music practitioner, and end-of-life doula about the topic of music as medicine. We invite you to listen and call in your questions to be part of our discussion today. And you can also send your uh, questions to voices at kcbx.org. Now let's join Chris and her guests. Over to you, Chris. Thank you, Brian. Imagine patients who heal faster, need less pain medication, and have a more positive healthcare experience. Now imagine staff and caregivers who are less stressed and caring for less anxious patients, or music that supports someone through their final transition from life. All that I mentioned are the power of music. Bryn has a long history of, at the Central Coast. As a musician and concertmaster with local symphony and orchestras, her wide range of music has included touring international with, internationally with popular world music ensemble Café Musique, and now she's using her music as medicine. Today's show is about how music is medicine, including at the end of life, and Brenna, I want to welcome you. Oh, thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, you know, you you have been just you have been so present in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, during COVID, you showed up on street sides, <laughs> and you know, as a one woman band, doing uh, remarkable things to keep people in touch. Whether it was on Zoom or yeah. in neighborhoods on chairs and in the middle of the streets that yes. didn't have any population in them. <laughs> and you, you've, you've done so much. And I'm, I'm curious what pulled you here. To this place of music as medicine? Yeah. I think it all began with uh, Café Musique. Um, Dwayne English, the accordion, I, the accordion player and I, we, we started to get asked by long-term fans, I mean, people who had been our fans and supporters for, you know, 10 years, mm-hmm. who were getting older, and they were getting sick. Could you come and play by the bedside? You know, my husband has ALS, and yeah. uh, it would be wonderful. And we would go and play our, and use our best instincts about what to play. And we got asked a lot to do that. And it was, it was sad. Um, but it also reminded me that over the last, you know, 30-something years of my career, I, I had done that kind of thing a lot. Um, and as I was getting older and just more mature in general, I felt a pull that um, I would like to learn more about how music really maybe would heal someone or what is it about, about people um, who have terminal illnesses or people just with something have happened to them, whatever it is, cancer treatments, why do they ask for music? Yeah. You know, yeah. is there, maybe there's a scientific reason behind it. So that um, 
made me go off into thinking about end of life first. Um, and then I started to think about, well, why does it just have to be the end of life? Can I maybe find a program? So I just went on the internet and I looked around and also Chris O'Connell, who is one of my my wonderful musical mentors in this arena, told me about the Music for Healing and Transition program, mhtp.org. And he told me about the program and said, you should check it out because it's really changed over the last 25 years. And um, so I enrolled myself in COVID, during COVID. I raised the money for the program. And, uh, and so it started from that. And um, then also, the, well, we'll talk about the end-of-life doula stuff, too. Right, yeah. right. So let's talk a little bit about, because you, you have played so many different genres of music. <laughs> and you've, you've seen the, the impact it has on people mm-hmm. in terms of moving them to tears, moving them to a place of joy. Mm-hmm. So you've seen what it can do. And you, you know what music does for you. Yeah. Um, so how is it? that you learned something different about it. What what did you learn? Well, I think that started in college um, or even in high school that I listened to pop music. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go, when I went home and I wasn't practicing my violin, some classical concerto, I listened to the, the top 100, Casey Kasem in the top 100, <laughs> yeah. you know, charts. And I would dance in front of my mirror and be like, you know, something would be so happy. And then if I was sad, you know, I'd want to listen to Drive by the Cars or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it started there. And then when I was in college, being in the orchestra, we would go dancing on the weekends at clubs, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be a different release for for me. Um, and then all the parties at college, I always ended up being the DJ because I knew what type of music to play um, that would get the crowd going. And so I think my whole life has been preparing me in some way for this moment yeah. of um, choosing music in a much more intimate way um, for, different, for different reasons, emotional and physical. Yeah, so. and in part and parcel of where you went to was not only taking this training, but then you also decided you wanted more training about how to be with death, how to be at the end of life with folks in a way that was more intimate mm-hmm. than just sitting and playing. Yes, and well, Chris, that has a lot to do with you. <laughs> Okay, I'm not the deaf person. But. <laughs> no, but um, because of hospice SLO, hospice slow, um, um, and talking with you about the International End of Life doula program, mm-hmm. I realized um, uh, I've had a lot of realizations. Um, I would go home at night sometimes and watch YouTube videos, and I don't know why I was doing this, of people on cancer journeys. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, taking their last breath, I would also start to watch videos of people actually actively dying, and I thought there was something wrong with me. Like, why am I watching these? And I had no idea what a doula was, but I was 
I had experienced so much loss in my life of people dying and not dying in a terminal illness way, but dying by by suicide. Mm-hmm. I experienced four suicides in the course of 10 years, all of people who were extremely close to me. And I, I, I often ask myself, those people did not have a good death. Mm-hmm. And would there be any way that I could embrace my own death because I was always so fearful of it. I can't imagine not being here anymore. And um, at that point, I really started to embrace the idea of using music to help people in their death journey. Because people come into this world with big, great celebration and um, excitement, and and some people don't. Some people come into this world in in uh, in terrible conditions as well. Right. But birth is a beautiful thing. But why can't our deaths be beautiful as well? And how come so many countries? I started doing research. How many countries in uh, around the world? celebrate someone's life afterwards, but they also are celebrating somebody's death by preparing for it, mm-hmm. by talking with the families. And and I realized that this is possible. Mm-hmm. And why not use my music to do that? So when you spoke with me at Hospice Slow about this International End of Life Doula program, I was like, gosh, we're not going anywhere. All of us are stuck at home in our pajamas. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take that program too. So I went online and I signed up for it and did the modules. And though I'm not certified, I hope someday to be certified. And the way that I get the certification is to, you know, I have to to write out reports and everything. Mm-hmm. But I feel I've gotten so much experience doing it. Um, already now, I think I've transitioned or helped to, tra- to transition about eight people. Um, I feel like I'm I'm on my way. So, in between what what you've what you learned through your training and what you've learned through your experiences with being with folks who were either very seriously ill or folks who are beginning to come to the conclusion of this lifetime. Um, what have you learned about how to use music? How is mu- how is how you use music now different than it was when you were going and playing at the request of people that knew you to come and play for them at bedside? Yes, I I have been asked that question um, many times by many different people, and I really didn't have a very good answer. But now I'm starting to to have a good answer. And that is there is a scientific way of looking at how music, the organization of sound, is equals music. So what we're playing is basically frequencies, uh, vibrations, frequencies, resonance, and then something called entrainment. Um, And there is a book by... I think it's Joshua Leeds, L-E-E-D-S. It's called The Power of Sound. 
It was the scariest book I have ever read because it was super, super scientific. And I'm not, I wasn't the best of students. (laughs) So um, I wanted to know the reason why I couldn't play My Way by Frank Sinatra for somebody who, who was dying because that was their favorite piece on earth. Right. Um, why Why wouldn't that be? Is that appropriate to play mm-hmm. in in a, a person who is transitioning or actually in the actively dying phase, which is just can be just a few days before or hours? And the reasons behind that are that those frequencies are and those vibrations are so fast and so high that they actually keep the patient alive. Mm-hmm. They stimulate parts of the body and the respiratory system in a way that is not uh, conducive to shutting down. Or comfortable. Or, yes, or mm-hmm. comfortable at all. Um, and the families are the ones that have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. Um, so it's my job as not only as an end-of-life doula, but also as a certified music practitioner playing transition support music to explain to the families or and comfort them knowing that let me give this your loved one um, a therapeutic session. Let's see what happens with this. Now, if the patient is is lucid and they ask for something like that, I'll play as much Frank Sinatra as they want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or let's say someone is flying in from Arizona and the patient wants to be stay alive until the family members get there. I will play music that that promotes um, uh, someone to to be continue to be stimulated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, no, (laughs) it it really does. And um, I'm just going to do some call letters real quick. But if you can, um, how about if you play a piece of music that might be more stimulating, that you might play for someone Mm -hmm. that would be more vibrant. Yeah, and I can also talk about the five different types of music that I play before I do that. That would be great. Sure. Brilliant. I'm Chris Kington Barker with you on Central Coast Voices, your KCBX Central Coast listener-supported radio station. And you're listening to Bryn Albonese, (laughs) I get it, Bryn, who is a concert violinist, a certified music practitioner and an end-of-life doula. And the topic of today's show is the healing power of music. And um, we would love for you to bring your questions or comments about today's show and our topic. You can call us at 805-781-3875. And Bryn is giving us a lesson in um, the power of music and how it's used in medicine. And we're going to listen to her right now. All right. So um, I usually play... um when I'm working in the hospitals by bedside, there are five different types of music that I play. And one, the first one is called distraction music. Okay. And that really is for somebody who is waiting for different test results, blah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then there's memory music. Okay. And I do specialize in Alzheimer's and dementia patients that spend time in the hospital because of the ultra amount of confusion and fear and anxiety in those patients. It helps. I play refocusing music. 
So it focuses them on me and on what's coming out of my violin instead of what the nurses are doing to them. And yeah. it's it's done some amazing things so far in what I've done in San Luis Obispo. Um, the third type of music is called vital signs stabilization music. That's with somebody with a lot of heart issues, valve replacements, bypasses, all kinds of different heart and um, related uh, conditions. Um, keeping somebody stable. Then there's relaxation response music, which is kind of the line between transition support and somebody who is really in a lot of pain, who's maybe going in and out of consciousness, has to be a very specific type of music to play. And then we have transition support, which is end of life. Um, And I'll play some of that later. But right now, I think what I'm going to do is... I'm going to play a, a, a combination. This is a piece that I have played for distraction music. I've played it for sometimes for memory music, but distraction, um, vital sign stabilization. Okay. And then if I play it a certain way, it can mm. be for relaxation response. And you're going to demonstrate that too? So I'm, I'm first I'm going to play it in transition. How long do you want me? Do you want me to just yeah, stop? Yeah, go or, ahead. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. No, I think I think, this I is- think everybody will recognize this. <laughs> That would be trans- that would be for relaxation. Yeah. So the way that I just played that right now, that was like a little bit. It wasn't totally with a tempo. Yeah. And I was playing with a backing track. Yeah. So I normally wouldn't play with a backing track. So I'm going to turn off the backing track. Okay. And I'm just going to play it. Let's say I just played it with distraction. I okay. just want to distract somebody. I would okay. play it like this. This could be when somebody's getting their yeah, lab they're drawn. Just, or... They're just waiting to heal. Okay. And they have a lot of anxiety about, you know, the time. Yeah. When is it, am I going to have this and that? And Yeah, so I want to go home. About like this. Yeah. There's like a nice – also, I could play it like that for vital signs stabilization mm-hmm. as well because it has that sort of one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. And it's real steady. Yeah. And um, it seems, seems to work really well. Um, so if I were to play that 
super relaxation response mm-hmm. without the backing track would sound like this. Uh, I'll play the, the B part. So. I want to go lay down on the rug here. (laughs) (laughs) So and the the way I just played that would be uh, for somebody in the ICU. Yeah, yeah. So I play a lot for people who are intubated. Mm -hmm. And on every single machine you could possibly imagine. Do you see the changes on the machines? Um, Sometimes if their blood pressure is taken during the session, Mm -hmm. I can see a change. Yeah. But really, it's not there. I don't play for an outcome. Yeah. That's the difference between me and a music therapist. Yeah. The music therapist will work with one patient Mm -hmm. until they get a particular outcome, until they come to that. There's a goal in mind. Goal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, exactly. So that's how the violin works. And I'll play everything from, you know, Simple Gifts to Moon River. What I just played now is called The Ashokan Farewell. And it was taken from that PBS Civil War series by Ken Burns years ago. And that piece was used as a a goodbye letter from a soldier to his wife saying that he wasn't going to come home. Mm. But I'm telling you, I use it all the time for I even use it for weddings <laughs> I mean it's just it can be happy yeah it can be sad it's all the way that you play it is are there certain instruments that align better with the body that the tones from the muse from the uh, instruments are better than other instruments yes and I can say that right away. And violin, I believe, is not really one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and and I say that I don't say that confidently. I'm not happy saying that. But what violin, if you are able to change the way you play, and not just how you're playing it, but but technically, like less sound, um, be able to stop and and have a lot of spaces between your playing. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a very fine player to do what I'm doing on the violin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have seen people who are more amateur trying to do this on the violin, and it's not as effective. Um, Cello is Mm. awesome. Yes. Because the vibrations are so low. And rich. And Mm. and those frequencies really reach that part part of the of the systems that they need to reach just playing like a low low note you mm-hmm. know if i just played on the violin if i just went mm-hmm. 
just played on the G string the whole time, you know, I would maybe get that. So I have I play another instrument. You do. I do. Yes. Yeah. And um, you didn't play this instrument before you took this training. Not um, much. I played it going camping. Yeah. <laughs> I played it around the campfire. I played it just for my own. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but for my own relaxation response, mm-hmm. a Bryn, a, for Bryn, whenever I went to go play my Native American style flutes, it would always make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And why? Because of the breath. My, my business name is called Numa Melodies. And Numa is spelled P-N-E-U-M-A. And if you think of Numa, think of pneumonia. Yeah. When your Numa, which is your life force, it's your vital force, it's your breath, it's your wind, it, what keeps you alive. Blood doesn't keep you alive. None of your systems keep you alive without oxygen. Mm-hmm. So that's why so many people during COVID, it was just ventilator, 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 ventilator. You know, if you're not breathing, you die. So this instrument, my native flutes, and I'll bring the one, this one out, um, this, the biggest one I have. And I did some research um, about what type of Native American style flutes would be the most healing. And I found out there are not a lot of doulas that even do what I do, um, uh, especially with these flutes. This is a bass F sharp, if anybody out there knows about music, F sharp 432 hertz. So now what the 432 means is it's lower than 440. Most, most frequencies are at 440, which is 440 something and say I don't know I I even forget what it is but (laughs) it even um vibrates at a slower slower frequency and many of the uh groups around the world's tribes chant Mm -hmm. at 432 or lower f sharp for some reason f sharp is the key so um for instance if somebody is Actively dying. If I, I go to the nurses' stations and I say, "Do you have anybody imminent?" Palliative care nurse is usually there. Um, if somebody is not going to make it, they can't go home. This is the the instrument that I play. So, shall I play? Yes, a little bit. Okay. Yes, let's hear the tone. I'm not sure. Let's see. I'm going to just point this down a little bit. that tone. 
And I wouldn't thank you so much. I wouldn't even play it actually that way. I would just play long tones to try to entrain with the patient. In terms of their breathing. Entrain their breathing to the flute or vice versa. Right. Now, on a ventilator, you can't do that. But it does other things. So that's one of my flutes. I brought three. Yeah, I see. But but go ahead. (laughs) see that. We're going to take just a brief break. And we'll be back for more music, more education, and more flutes in just a moment. From the KCBX Community Calendar, you're invited to kick off the holiday season with a festive, family-friendly tree lighting and snow day event on Sunday, December 10th from 5 to 7 at Elm Street Park in Arroyo Grande. Santa himself uh, will be on hand to light the tree at 6, so you won't want to miss out. Plus, there's going to be a huge delivery of snow with sledding and building snowmen. Beautiful light displays, s'mores, and more. If you'd like to find more more information, you can do that just by visiting royalgrande.org. And just a reminder that the KCBX Community Calendar features arts, entertainment, and nonprofit events in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and southern Monterey counties. You can submit your item or event to be shared. You'll find it on the calendar page on our website at kcbx.org. We'll return to Central Coast Voices in just a few moments. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, the story of Richard Oakes, a founding leader in the Red Power Movement of the 1960s. We hear about how Richard and fellow Native activists occupied Alcatraz Island to bring attention to their cause. I became consciously aware of who I was as a person because of him. That's next time on Latino USA. On the next Fresh Air, journalist Ari Berman He's been covering efforts in the courts to dismantle the Voting Rights Act. He'll talk about the history of the act, which is considered one of the most effective pieces of civil rights legislation ever enacted in our country, and the implications of dismantling it. Join us. This fall, for the first time, more ESG funds, that's Environmental, Social, and Governance Funds, more were closed than were opened, but why? We got a little ahead of ourselves. You know, we all wanted to believe we could get to the climate transition, we could affect societal change, it would be easy. It's not easy. I'm Kai Rizdal. The challenge with sustainable investing, next time on Marketplace. That's all ahead today on our Thursday here on KCBX. Latino USA is up from 2 to 3, followed by Fresh Air from 3 to 4, and then Marketplace from 4 to 4.30. Right now, let's return to Chris Kington Barker and her guest on Central Coast Voices. Back to you, Chris. Thank you, and welcome back. We are visiting today with Bryn Albonese, who is a concert violinist, a certified music practitioner, and an end-of-life doula. And we're talking about the healing power of music and the many places that it is. And this is a new, you know, this is the next the next plantain for you. Um, and I am um, visiting with Bryn and 
Bryn is visiting with her instruments that she brings and also kind of educating us about the science of what she does. And and I think you wanted to talk a little bit more about the science and then take us back into the music. Yeah, well, one of the, one of the scientific questions that people ask me in presentations when I do my presentations is why why do we listen to the music that we listen to and why does the music make us feel the way we feel and and, and I I know when when people say wow like that's really getting on my nerves like a sound outside yeah, you know yeah. that really getting on my nerves or the nerve of him or her you know mm. <laughs> there there is a scientific explanation and something um, most people don't know is that um most cranial nerves lead to the ear so actually 12 of the cranial nerves are affected by the ear and most of these nerves regulate our motor functions yeah um and I thought this was so so interesting, and all the sensory organ organs located in in the head. So, with the exception of smell, the tongue, and your neck muscles, um, everything is affected by the ear. So, one of the most important facts that I learned about hearing is the relationship from the ear to the tenth cranial nerve, which is called the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And that nerve is the is the vagabond nerve. It's the wandering nerve, and it. Um, let me look at my notes here because I had some cool things I wrote down about this. This nerve has the just a huge, enormous task of regulating a host of organs, from your larynx, heart, lungs, stomach, liver, bladder, kidneys, small intestines, and your colon, all the way down, all the way down. And the vagus nerve attaches to the outer and inner eardrum. So what's, what is the, the significance of this? Well, it's, it's all about vibration, those vibrations and those frequencies. So if you're listening to a song over and over and over again, it's because there's something in that song, some sort of chordal progression, some kind of Maybe major seven chords do it for me. You know, mm-hmm. there's something that resonate with you. Right. Boy, that really resonates with me. Or that person really resonates with me. And you know how you meet somebody and you just want to like them so badly, but there's something about <laughs> them or the relationship that you just can't seem to resonate with? Right. What you're saying is actually the scientific thing that you would say, that you're vibrating on different frequencies mm-hmm. because everything, everything vibrates. And when we were doing our training, that translated into, you know, clearly the, the effect of our sound, of sound can no longer be, you know, simply how, we, how our ears feel. But how our entire being feels. Yeah. Um, I had a patient in the ICU who um, wouldn't stop moving around. And this patient needed to stop moving around because of the, um, the instrument that was being inserted in her. And she needed to mo- stop moving around. And her daughter was trying to keep her from moving around. This was a couple of years ago, um, about a year ago. And 
And so I decided to play a flute. I thought, well, what's the most, what would be the most relaxing instrument? I started playing the flute and it got worse. And I was like, what's going on? Like everything that I've learned is not working. Yeah. I took my violin and I started playing my violin, something more sort of, I, I just out of nowhere, just something more stable. So I, I played the, uh, I played this. Can I play something again? Yeah, please. I'd love to so, hear it. <laughs> most people know this too. This is probably the most popular um, uh, healing piece for me. So. Less than two minutes, she stopped moving. Hmm. And the daughter and the nurses were out on the nurse's station looking into the room, and they were just wide-eyed. They're like, what is going on here? And I, I, I had no expectations because in this work you have no expectations. If you have expectations, then you will be – you 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 yeah it just doesn't work yeah and there's nothing that universally will appeal to everyone right so it's so unique to each person what i'm curious what you were playing on the flute just you know improvisational low tones low tones and and yeah. actually just playing something just lovely and remember how you said you wanted to lie down right i thought that that would be for her but what this lady needed was something that she knew she was actually more cognitive than i thought that yeah. she was uh-huh. even though she wasn't really recognizing that i was there or her daughter was there um but it was um and then i found out later that some people who get put on a ventilator become claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very claustrophobic, so it's always it's something that scares me. And that if I, if I am claustrophobic, I would want someone to play music for me so that I wouldn't freak out. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't give her any more sedatives. So what happens when you can't treat a patient with all of the medical things that are that are set in front of you. So the nurses have to come up with these ideas of what are we going to do for this patient because they can't have any more sedatives. They're really suffering. And that's where these complementary care programs come. Yeah. That's where I come in. So now when I go to the ICU, um, I think the, the place that I've worked the most is French Hospital. Now when I pick up the phone and say, hi, it's Bryn, um, they're like, oh, please come in right away. We have a bunch of people for you. And I end up spending an hour and 45 minutes just in the ICU. Wow. So it's beginning to make an impact um, on treatment. So, I'm, you know, so what I'm hearing from that, Bryn, is that 
there's a difference between the kind of work you do and where you do it mm-hmm. than say there are there are musicians there's music support with say hospice mm-hmm. and even though you work with <clears throat> folks at the end of life that's not only where you work right, right? i can um hospice as if most people just see it as an end of life thing but actually hospice has so many different programs. I mean, especially our hospice slow. Um, there are programs for not for when you're at the end of your life. You can go. You can call for different support while you're still alive, and it's really amazing. But hospice musicians usually are part of a team. They work with a care team and with work with one patient um, at a time with the care team, and. The, that person has to qualify under Medicare guidelines to be under hospice care. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they are hospice musicians. They don't require certification. They do require training mm-hmm. through whatever hospice organization they're working for. And they're extremely intuitive. Mm-hmm. You, After working, after talking to my hospice musician friends, intuition is a huge part of it and just general experience of what type of music to play. Some people visit um, hospice patients for like two years. You know, can work with the same patient in a in a skilled nursing facility or a um, nursing home or memory care. But you won't find hospice musicians very often in hospitals. You don't find them going bed bed to bed like I do, working with different patient conditions because in my certification, I'm trained to play for everyone from UTIs and sepsis all the way to um, diabetes-related um, amputations, um, just all kinds of different uh, conditions. And I, um, I just wanted to educate, want to educate the public on the differences between what a certified music practitioner is and a music therapist as well, which we talked about, that the music therapist, um, usually they are employed by hospitals um, or they, or, and, or they have their own practice Mm -hmm. um, and they work with one patient at a time to reach an end goal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that is also extremely different. Now, I can assist music therapists. So I've made a call to ASH, to the the state mental hospital, um, because I would really like to work with their music therapists and to see if I can go and do some concerts mm-hmm. for some of the um, people who reside at the state mental hospital. Yeah, You know, so that type of thing. Um, so when people say, oh you're, oh, you're a hospice musician, I want them to know that I do play for people who are in hospice care, but I'm not a hospice musician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, no, transition no, no. support yeah. is the type of music that I play through the Music for Healing and Transitions program. So how do you choose? You have three, you three, have flutes, three yeah. wind flutes here. And then um, how do you choose... Between the three, are there different types of um, music for different circumstances based on the the size of the flute? Yeah. So um, 
people are like, oh, can you play You Are My Sunshine on your big bass flute? <laughs> and no, the answer is no. <laughs> it First of all, it wouldn't sound It would sound good. silly. I mean, yeah. the MHTP program, the Music for Healing and Transitions program, really wants to certify me on flute, but I have to learn all these tunes, and I'm really only using it for for people who are super duper in pain. And um, I decided on two other flutes because they're in low ranges. Mm-hmm. The first flute that you heard me play was respectfully called my death flute. That is the one that um, that I play for people who usually are in comfort care and they are not awake, but they can still hear. Mm-hmm. So um, this uh, this other flute that I have in my hand, um, I got when I went to the flute workshop in Utah. I went to the Native American style flute uh, workshop and studied with some amazing teachers and got some really great education on on um, flutes. So this is a cedar flute. It's um, uh a concert flute, so it has a more focused sound. I still do like to play this flute uh, for relaxation response music, which is for someone who's sort of awake, but they have a lot of pain and they just need to relax, mm-hmm. um, or somebody who is in comfort care or intubated. Okay. So here, I'll play a little bit of this. Beautiful sound. Yeah. To this is a, a straight down flute that is uh, a little bit harder to play after you've played the big flute. And then I have one more flute. Um, By the way, if you have questions as a listener and you'd love to bring them, we'd love to hear mm-hmm. you. It's 805 781 3875. You're listening to Bryn Albonese who is a concert violinist, certified music practitioner, and an end-of-life doula. And she is helping us learn about the power of healing through music. And we're listening to some of that beautiful music today. And the power of sound in general. Um, That vagus nerve can really pick up a lot. Yeah. You know, Um, this last flute that I have was a flute that I had not a very good relationship with. I ordered it online, and when I got it, I didn't like it. And one of the teachers that I had um, was this Japanese man that plays a shakuhachi Mm -hmm. uh, flute, which are really hard to play. And he said, uh, like, something so simple and amazing, which was like, perfection comes from imperfection. (laughs) You know, like, so easy. Like, why didn't I think of that? He said, you have to make this flute yours. Ooh. 
you have to find this flute's voice and embrace it and try to make it yours. So this has a very different sound. made a friend yeah <laughs> yeah and i love it because it's more breathy oh it's I, like you um, know, and it's um it's haunting in a way yeah when i play it um also what i forgot to mention and it just reminded me now when i first played this at sierra vista in the icu i i had absolutely wide eyeballed nurses just like what We've never, ever had anything like this here. What is that? And they all came around and they were like, I'm so, I feel so relaxed. You know, I, they were like, keep playing, keep playing. So I just started playing at the nurses' stations. Um, and it was very welcomed, you know. Um, yeah. And I realized that not only were the patients, of course, getting something from it, but the staff um who are very in a way i have to say that the staff this is just my own opinion is misrepresented um and misunderstood that these nurses and technicians have to pick up so many different jobs that could actually be done by other people if you if you will i've watched the mechanics of the hospital, which are the doctors, they come in, they find the broken part, and they fix it. And they do everything they possibly can to fix it. And they work with other doctors to find ways of doing it. And it's very frustrating for them also when they can't seem to find a way. But then once the doctors are out of the picture, who has to do the rest of the work, which is the spirit and the mind part. So there's the body, Mm -hmm. there's the mind and the spirit. The nurses are the ones that have to do that. Mm. Unless you're a hospital like Stanford, which has many, many, many different complementary care programs. They have Reiki, they have touch therapy, they have, they have uh, oils, you know, aromatherapy, but they have you know, this is a big hospital. So, yeah. and those are the complementary care programs that help the mind and the spirit part. So when a, a hospital's mission statement says, we treat the body, mind, and spirit, they try to do it in ways with colors in the hospital, different um, shapes, and, and their artwork on the walls. I mean, it's really, they try hard to do that other part. 
But my my personal opinion is that I don't think that you can treat as successfully the body unless you have the mind and the spirit part. And that's where sound and music, dog petting come come in handy. So I'm hoping my goal is to, as a one-woman show, basically, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm the only one who's certified in this county, and I'm hoping that that will change, that someday I will make an impact enough in our local hospitals, at least, that they will take me on as an employee or a or, you know, or be able to be something. able to be paid by the hospitals because now I just I'm at community at large is what's funding me through eco logistics, which is the wonderful, wonderful nonprofit that took me on as an employee. And I can talk a little bit about when, that if you want. Yeah. To. Yeah. When you reach out to um, people who have the same path that you have, you know, who are certified um, practitioners, where you know, are they working in hospital settings that have embraced that as an adjunct yeah. um, therapy? Is that part of what they're offering as a as a healing service within the organization? I'm glad that you asked that because um, it takes case studies mm-hmm. to be able to prove how something does affect treatment programs and and how um, if it the patient is much less time in the hospital, less medications, right. you know, all that kind of thing. So yes, the answer is um, all over the East Coast and actually in Texas, there are lots and lots of hospitals that have full-on complementary care programs that are funded by foundations, mm-hmm. the foundation money. Um, and they make sure that they have money going into those programs to keep that mind and spirit part going. So it is – I haven't been able to do my presentations yet to any of the foundations because I wanted to be able to make an impact first. Like, hey, there's this violinist that's been playing pretty regularly. Um, she would like to do a presentation to the board or to the foundation board or to maybe the nurses mm-hmm. as an educational thing. And baby steps, but I just got my knee replaced <laughs> on October 30th, so um, that kind of put threw a wrench into the into everything. But I, I can't move around the hospital unless I got good good limbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, how was it for you being a patient? Oh, what did you? I mean, looking at it from your viewpoint of being an adjunct service, being a, a yeah. complementary service, what were you? What were you noticing? So I've had t- three surgeries in the last two years. Um, two were one, uh, just one month apart from each other. One was down at Marion Regional Medical, and um, how I wanted so badly to have. Um, to have music by the bedside. I mean, I would have asked for it myself. But knowing a little bit more about what the nurses went through during COVID, because that's when I started my um, uh, my internship, my practicum, is mm-hmm. right after COVID lifted enough to get back into the hospitals, I had to go. I went in to see what they had to deal with. So I was very kind to the nurses because they were amazing. They were just amazing. And um, at Sierra Vista, my my uh, doctor, she was amazing. 
um, the the nurses all knew that I was getting an, an operation. I was only there for one night, but um, I had a different feeling about these people and how hard they work. An appreciation. An appreciation in, yeah. for everything that they do. I got frustrated a couple times with, you know, if I didn't get my ice on time, but that was just because, you know, I was in pain or whatever. But but I know what they're going through. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I listened to my music on my on my headphones. And, Took care of yourself. And I had a friend come in and play for me, actually, oh, at Sierra Vista. <laughs> And that was that was really awesome. So I'm hoping that more of my musician friends, after they are done with their big, if they feel they need to go on to something else, I would totally want them to take this these courses. Well, I appreciate you being here today. Oh, and I, we're at the end of our show, no! and I could listen. I know <laughs> I could listen for so much longer. I want to thank Bryn for being here. Do you want me to play? Hey, Bryn, for being here today. And um, please join next week uh, with your host, Mario Kulik. You're listening to Central Coast Voices. It's been sponsored by Action for Healthy Communities and the San Luis Obispo Community Foundation in collaboration with KCBX. I'm Chris Kington-Barker. Thank you for listening to us today.